Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Business Excellence Podcast. My name is Rail Bricker, coming to you from Perth, Western Australia. For a value added extra, excellencepodcast.com has heaps of free resources for you to download. That is excellencepodcast.com. And with me today is Chris Ward from Ajax in Canada, Ajax, Ontario. Uh, Chris tells me it's about um, half an hour from Toronto, which could be an hour, could be two miles, and it could be 25 miles because I've driven in the in the Toronto traffic a lot of the time. Chris, welcome to the Business Excellence Podcast. Oh, thank you so much. I'm pumped to be here, Rayo. So, Chris, you... I asked you how I how I should describe you. You have all these different skill sets and different things that you do for for entrepreneurs and people. And you said the simplest definition is the founder of the win the day philosophy. So win the, hour, win, the win the day, win the hour. Okay. Win the hour, win the day. <laughs> okay. Tell me, and and that is that is the title of your book: Win the Hour, Win the Day. Yeah. Tell me what is win the hour, win the day? Well, essentially, Rail, what I do is I stop entrepreneurs from working so hard. Uh, most entrepreneurs are trapped in the web of admin about 80, 90% of the time. And really what we have is what we call a win formula. And it allows you to be in creation mode 60% of the time. So creation mode 60% of the time, admin mode 40% of the time. Because it's really about getting ideas to execution, ideas to execution. Anyone you admire or have a little bit of professional jealousy about, you look at they're getting stuff done, they're just getting ideas to execution. They're not smarter than you or I, they're just getting ideas to execution. And what is the key? Is it is it having a team? Yeah, I mean, that's a huge part of it. I call it your what is next team. Your win team is your what is next team. And here's the thing. So many people get a VA confused with having a team. And it's really not about that. It's about a philosophy. Too many people, you know, started out as, you know, an employee themselves. And so what happens is when they go to start a team, you are bringing somebody on and then you're handing work over to them. And it's sort of like, it comes from a very parentified system. You give them a task and then you make sure they do it well. And, and that's just is the frustration. So many people say, well, that's a whole job in itself. Where when we work with our coaching clients, you know, or in a group or individual or whatever, in our masterclass, it's really about having the what is next team support you. And they're also in creation mode 60% of the time. So we're always, always moving on to the next idea. Whatever we get done this week, we can get it done in less time for next week and get on to that next ambition. Because there's always another mountain to climb. I'm sure you have the same experience, Rail, where you're like, oh, this is great. Now I want it. I thought this was it. Now I just climb the mountain to see what the next mountain is. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, you know, it is it is about that that journey that you're going on and getting better every time you do it. So, so you talk of this creation mode and you also say that you want them, people to be in that mode 60% of the time. So how do you get there? I mean, how, how, do, how, do you, how do you turn your employee because effectively you, you're not going to bring on a partner straight away. You're going to bring on a team member to work with you potentially. How do you get them to the same level of motivation uh, commitment and creativity that you have? 
Yeah, that is a great question. And that's one of the most popular questions we get on our website, www.winthehourwintheday.com. What I would say to you, Rail, is, yeah, to get in that creation mode 60% of the time, instead of 80, you know, you want to be at 60% of the time in creation mode, 40% in men, right? Instead of everybody else is running around doing 89%. And I keep repeating those numbers because those are really important things to remember. Because as an entrepreneur, you guys, you keep thinking, oh, once I get past this next thing or this next thing, and I'll be caught up and then I can really get to those ambitions that will bring in more revenue and all that type of stuff. And this is the pain point. People think, well, I'll hire someone. And that's great. You really do need a team. Without a team, you're, I, call, I say you're a sufferpreneur, right? But a lot of my clients, what happens is they'll try that and it won't work out. So then they think, oh, I have to spend more money or I have to do this. or And they keep you know, changing, changing up just to see if they make some progress. And it usually gets very expensive and time-consuming. A big thing that we work with with our coaching clients is what I call your super toolkits. These are kind of like you might misunderstand them for standard operating procedures, but those are usually written to cover liability, and they're not usually written by by the end user. So we have this uh, formula that we call super toolkits, and it just allows you to constantly get more work done in less time. So for example, Rail, our podcast in the fall is going to go to two shows a week, the Win the Hour, Win the Day podcast. It's very general. It could be anything from social media to sales. But we are doubling our output two shows a week. But our admin component to that is only going to increase 12%. Because we can't have that eating up my calendar. I got other things I have to do. And that's because, again, of the toolkits. And also because my team, my what is next team, they're also in creation mode a significant amount of time. So I know for us recently, we had my uh, somebody on my team come to me and say, oh, my gosh, Chris, like we were all excited. We were getting close to 200 five-star reviews on, on iTunes. We thought, this is spectacular. We're going to make a little banner. This is awesome. So someone comes to me on my team and says, hey, Chris, look, they found this application and there was these other, you know, Stitcher and things that we didn't know you could leave reviews on. Well, we had over 900 five-star reviews. Now, just so you know that I'm still a very flawed human being, I was like, oh, we're so close to 1,000. <laughs> right? So first I was excited, 200. Then I wasn't happy. But I brought this to different groups I was in, you know, in the, in the podcast community, and they didn't know of it. And they're like, oh, my gosh, so I look like a hero. And these were just things that my team and their creation would have brought to me. So you don't want to be delegating all the time and trying to, you know, control it. You really want to create a team that lifts you up and lifts them up. And then they're so, they're so inspired because they get to really lean in and do work that's interesting to them. And they're not just constantly chasing tasks that you assign them and then supervise them in a very parentified passion or fashion. So it really, it just, it just a rising tide lifts all ships. Okay. So, so then there is a, a rising trend just to carry on with that theme. Yeah. Um, there is a rising trend to the VA. Now, uh, friends of mine tell me they have 10 VAs in wherever it is, the Philippines or somewhere else. But that's not really a team. They, they talk of their team being 10 VAs. Now, they may, they may or may not sit in the same offices on the same floor, but truly they are 10 individuals who are just running tasks. Yeah. What's the difference between that and, and building a team? I think a big part of what we do when we're working with our coaching clients, whether it's one-on-one or in a group, a couple of things. First of all, 
it, it really are these super toolkits because it really does allow you to use them, create, use, and edit. We call it Q, create, use, and edit. So it gets more and more efficient. And then it, it integrates the team you have, whether it's one, two, or three. And these super toolkits that we use really accelerate everybody. And then everyone gets to be in creation mode. And that really is life-affirming, inspiring, and, and really does create a team mentality. But a big part of it, I will tell you, when when we work with our coaching clients, we actually hire it on board for them. We go, we have this very elaborate process for hiring and, and then they get a final approval if they want the person we recruited for them. And then we help them on board. I would probably argue that I think a big part of the team is the onboarding process. And we worked on this for years and years within my organization with all our clients. And it's the smallest little things you do in the beginning that create that team element. Teaching them to how to, like I explained to them, look, you're here because you're smart. I want you to ask questions. I'd rather you take a risk and get something wrong than not take a risk, right? Now you can say all that and you can say, I said all that, but if you don't support that and have the infrastructure in place, so on the onboarding process, they see that they took a risk and that it was rewarded. There's all these little nuances that really matter. And I would say the first 30 days, and we work closely with our clients on that. And then they're just, they're just so amazed at the quality and the cohesiveness and the consistency of the work they get from that onboarding process. So I think a lot of it is communication and onboarding. Okay, so let me ask the second part of that question, which is you're onboarding staff. How important is it to have warm bodies? Now, I think the pandemic of 2020 and 2021 um, you know, everyone's working from home and and so Zoom and, and other electronic communication mediums have become the norm. But how important is it to bring people in through the onboarding and, and going back to 2019? In other words, onshore. And I'm not I'm not necessarily a fan of, of onshore as opposed to offshoring. My question is how important is it to physically sit in the same room with somebody, or at least we'd like to be doing that again? I don't think it is. I mean, I, I went virtual, like, I don't know, 10 years ago, because I would have clients that were down the street, it might take 10 minutes, but you can't leave 10 minutes to get to their office. What if you can't find parking, and you got to sit and they got to come out, maybe they went to the washroom, and you're wasting all this time. Whereas when I was doing virtual meetings, I could just do back to back, I could get eight meetings in a day. So we became virtual a very long time ago. And then as well, in, in the last two years, I have moved from my previous location. So the one or two people that were in-house, now they're virtual. And what, what I would say is this. I, before this hiccup where the world kind of went upside down, I have a cousin who has an accounting firm. And he said, I don't know how you run your team virtually, Chris. I notice a difference when I go into the office, how they behave, how they work. I think they move quicker and all that stuff. Well, first of all, I think that's a problem. I think if you have to enforce and parentify and be a principal to, you know, to your students, that's a problem. Secondly, it's been a long time since we wrote on a piece of paper, slid it across the desk, and that was the work we're producing. You see work coming through the computer. You know you can measure their work. And if you walk through an office, see them banging furiously on keys, they could be ordering stuff off Amazon. So I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think, you know, in fact... You know, right now, I, you know, I know this is audio, but you're on my computer screen. It's 28 inches across. 
And your face is like six inches from my face. We are far more closer than if we were in the same room. These would be very awkward <laughs> engagements if your face was that big up in mine. So I don't think I don't think it's about the virtual or non-virtual. I think because many people have had teams that they hired in-house that they had, you know, had to fire. And there's a lot of consequences to that. Or they, and they also then hire locally. So do you want to, if you're building a sports team, a basketball team, do you want to pick the best players from earth around the globe? Or do you want them from your local town? Which do you think will be the better team? Right. Mm -hmm. Then you have to have enough hours for that person because they're local and they have to have enough to drive there. And then you don't have enough hours. You have to give them other tasks, which dilute their efficiency. So, I mean, I think there's many benefits to virtual and I think at the end of the day, it's how you train, hire, onboard, educate, communicate, and that is what makes a what is next team. You say that it's interesting. A friend of mine that was a speaker at a conference recently spoke about his checklist for his VAs and I said, okay, can you send that? Can you share it with me? And he sent it to me this week. And it had 168 tasks that you can outsource. Now, yeah, it was a great start because it started making me think about the things that I was probably doing that I wanted to outsource. But but how much further does it go in terms of this team building? And and philosophically, how do you bring people in that understand your philosophy? And you say it's part of the onboarding, but but you know the the problem is that you, particularly if you're outsourcing internationally, you, you there's a massive pay scale and differential between what you're paying offshore as well. Are you getting the same, let's call it quality, as onshore? Yeah, well, I, a lot of my clients uh, that I work with, they are usually very ambitious and very capable people in a number of areas. Like they're really comfortable in front of camera and maybe they've written a book and they have a podcast and they know their strength and they want to be in their lane, but yet they're still caught in this web of admin. So, you know, maybe they're out there impacting their audience 20% of the time. They want to be doing it 60, right? So a lot of them did the same thing like you, Rail. And they're like, oh my gosh, I hired this VA, didn't really work out. And I realized, you know what, you get you pay for. So then I paid more and then I paid more. And a lot of them, you know, we're paying 30, 40, 50 US dollars an hour. And we started working with them. And I was like, that's, and they're like, I can't afford somebody. And I don't think I need somebody 80 bucks an hour. That's insanity. That's just, you're just throwing more money at a, a, you know, a problem. I don't even know what's a good example of that. It's like jogging on a broken foot. So a lot of them we work with, and yes, you know, you can get really, when you know how to hire training on board, you get unbelievable talent for five, six, seven US dollars an hour. And they all said to me, Chris, I was paying 40 bucks an hour. I would have paid 55 for the quality of help you got me. I would have paid more and I'm paying a fraction of it. This is nuts. Because with that high hourly wage they're paying. Then every time they gave them something, I had to be really purposeful. Like, is that worth the time? Or I should be doing it myself late at night, which then leads to what I would call the three D's damaging overhead, delayed income or diminished opportunity. And most people think oh, I'll do it myself. And I'll save some money, but whatever you could get for your services, let's just keep the numbers simple and say, I could charge a hundred bucks for one of my packages. When you're doing your admin task at night, you're charging your company a hundred bucks an hour. 
And that is very expensive. So it really is, it really truly is about the hiring training onboarding because we see it all the time with our clients who are paying a lot more and they just can't believe, they said, I can't believe the quality and how much it soared my business forward. And this is ridiculous. I thought it was like just the price point. So, I mean, going to that and empowering your team members. So, so in a, on a personal level, 2019, I spent four and a half months traveling. Now, unfortunately, your experience was was a little bit harsher five years ago when when your husband got cancer and you basically came back and you found your business was running just as well or even better. Um, you know, it's it's really rewarding as an entrepreneur to to be in that position where you go away. You know, mine was a happy time. I was traveling the world speaking, but. I came back to a business that ran without me. You feel a bit redundant at that point too. But, um, you know, just share with the listeners your story of how you sort of came to this realization as, as, you know, as you put quite humorously, I guess, in your bio, oh, I'm a widow and don't feel sorry for me, um, you know, in, in words like that. But you want to share that story, that part of your story? Sure. So when I started out, you know, 12 plus years ago as a marketing strategist, I worked insane hours. Like it was nuts. And my husband used to say to me, you're always stealing from sleep. I'm getting up earlier, staying later. Cause you know what? I wore the badge of honor like everybody else. I work hard. I took it with pride and everybody was cheering me on. And he was my biggest fan. So you think, oh my gosh, I really got to make this fly. And I got to do my best work. So I was working not so hours. And then there comes a point where you start snapping at people like, what do you mean? You said you're ready and you didn't tie your shoes yet. I could have got one more email in. Like, this is nuts. So I realized I started sort of being impatient. I mean, a person goes two years without sleep and they start to lose some of their charm, right? That's what happened. Yeah. People were starting to report to me that I wasn't as charming as I thought it was. So I said, all right, I've got to turn this around. And so moving the story forward, I went from working 16 hours a day down to six. And the biggest thing I could not believe is how much I had been working against myself, right? And I did this through a series of examining feverishly other you know, entrepreneurs that were highly successful and how they ran their business. It was this whole process. But let's move it forward. I went from 16 hours down to six. Then a couple of years after that, yes, my husband had been diagnosed with colon cancer and I had been pulled away from the business. And when I returned after his passing, after about two years, my existing marketing clients had no idea I had been gone. They, they said, we don't know how you did it because we had, I didn't think it was good for business. We were also very positive in nature. We felt that if the doctors were wrong, we sat around for two years crying, holding hands. If they were right, we sat around the last two, two years crying and holding hands. So we didn't, we're not, we, we were not motivated to get that kind of attention. And it just wasn't something I talked about. It was very private. And so when it became public to my local business community, they were shocked and people started coming to me under the capacity of, you know, fragility of life and how much time they're giving up with their family and could I, you know, help them. And, and so we started working with them under that capacity. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I wanted to help more people because your business should support your life, not consume it. Because let's take the emotion out of it. If I had returned, you know, I, the emotion out of that, I lost an income. If I had returned to a, a company that was gone, it was not the time for me to craft up a resume, resume, try to be charming in a job interview and learn a new job. So I was very blessed in that capacity. And I thought life has interruptions. I need to be able, and people were asking me, can you help me with this? Help me with that. So then I said, okay, fine. And that's how when the hour, when the day was born, it turned into a book and a bunch of other things. 
But I do believe that business should be fun and that your business should support your life, not consume it. And mostly you're just trying to get ideas to execution and all this stuff gets in the way. And so I'm here to help you stop working so hard and get that stuff out of the way. Okay. So two things you said in there, the the one was interesting, which was that actually the back of my book says that business is simple. Business is not complicated. Just dive in and adjust your course while you're moving. That was the first sort of, you know, commonality, I guess. Um, Ideas to execution. How many, I I meet lots of entrepreneurs who keep chasing the next bright, shiny object. How do you you slap them around the ears and tell them, no, that's not what you should be doing? Yeah, so that's, I'm not talking about shiny object syndrome, and I'm talking about having a real idea to execution, right? So shiny object syndrome is more like, okay, let's say you wanted to start a podcast or something or whatever you want to do. All of a sudden you're like, oh, well, this platform told me, tell, and I mean, listen, they sell it to you really well. If I use this, all of a sudden projects will take care of themselves. And I fell for that years ago too. Like, oh, this software is really going to change it. Let me try that for three months and see if I get caught up. But you know, adding new to like, listen, a hammer is not going to make me a carpenter, right? That's just not it. Now, if I'm a carpenter, can you give me some power tools and speed that up? Yes. But the shiny object syndrome is when you start looking for technology to solve your problem. And it's not the technology that you're dealing with, right? What it is, is the infrastructure or lack of it in your business. Think of it like this. It's kind of like, if you have a houseplant rail and you say, oh my gosh, I've got this houseplant. This is amazing. Look, I kept it live. I'm feeling really proud of myself. I'm going to get a second one. This is awesome. Look at me go. I've got two houseplants. Never kept them alive before. This is awesome. Then you sort of ponder and say, hmm, maybe I could, maybe I could have a farm. Well, the only difference between the two houseplants and the farm is the, is the output. The volume is much higher, but the infrastructure is what creates that farm. So that's where I talk about stop working so hard. And I take, you know, entrepreneurs that have, you know, amazing capabilities, but the admin work is just trapping and tripping them up and we get their ideas to execution. But I'm not talking about chasing all these softwares that you think are the next solution. And you're like, okay, give me a hit. I'll spend this last 200 bucks as a little software junkie and this will be the answer. That's different. That's not about ideas to execution. That is shiny objects in Okay. And and that's so I I wanted to clarify that because when you talk about, you know, you know, ideas to execution, a lot of people think ideas are the next clever idea that you have and not not just being able to implement things more efficiently and better with your team. Um Chris we're sadly running out of time. My question is if people want to get hold of you or want lots of free stuff from you, how do they do that? You can check me out at any of the socials for sure. Um, we have just started a group in Facebook and we're doing all kinds of behind the scenes training. So you can reach out to me there. It's the, uh, yeah, when the hour, when the day Facebook group for sure. But we've got some goodies in the uh, free gift from Chris, K-R-I-S.com. And there's a couple of things in there that we still charge for. And there's even like the ultimate guide to getting 200 hours of free admin skill uh, oh, the, oh, yeah, the secret to getting 200 hours free of bin work because we have students every semester and we've had them for years. I think we've had about 35 now and you can get them throughout Australia, North America, all that stuff. They have co-op students and they show you how to do that. So uh, there's all kinds of really uh, neat nuggets in there for you at freegiftfromchris.com. That's fantastic, Chris. Thank you for 
sharing. Thank you for having the energy and, and, and you bring an energy to it. And that must be because you're only working six hours a day and you have lots of time for, for everything else in your life. But thank you very much for being a guest today on the Business Excellence Podcast. Well, I appreciate you. There's nothing more someone can give you than their time. So thank you for giving me yours. Thank you, Chris. This is Rail Bricker from Perth, Western Australia, signing off for this edition of the Business Excellence Podcast with a reminder to pop along to excellencepodcast.com for all your free resources, uh, such as the 48-page book called Building Excellence, and that will help you in your journey on business, in business and in life to excellence.